Chase, you got a copy, Chase. Yeah, go ahead. Eleven minutes long. I'll be over in a minute. Time, temperature, and concentration. Read the work order. Safety glasses. You're not done with that yet? Hey, put on some gloves. Can you please just follow the process? Make sure you put your respirator away. Solvent rags go over the side of the trash can. Where's your wet film gauge? Make sure you're putting tags back on the parts. Did you milk check that? Put your tools away. This Chase. Welcome back to KazerCast. It's been a while since we did the last one. A really long time since me and Chloe have done one. I think the last one I did was just by myself. Um, we have a really great guest today, Teague uh, Lotman. Uh, we'll be bringing him on here in a little bit. He works for Inspro, our insurance company at Kaiser. They're a great company, really, really good part of our team. We rely on them quite a bit. And uh, Teague does loss control there and uh, does all things safety. Um, so anytime we have a safety, big safety meeting, he kind of heads that up for us and um, has helped us with safety and kind of inspired us to, or inspired me, um, to be more safe anytime he comes for a meeting. I'm uh, sitting there just trying to write as fast as I possibly can. Um, hardly ever looking up because I'm just listening to what he's saying and trying to, to get that all down on paper and then try to take that and, and improve and process improve like I like to do. Um, but before we get there, we'll do a little bit of open segment. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about because we haven't talked in a while. How are you doing today, Chloe? Doing great. It's Halloween weekend. Oh, yeah. I'm not, of mm -hmm. course, I'm not going to be doing anything because I don't do anything fun. Are you doing something fun for Halloween? Um, no, I have to teach a dance class tomorrow night. You don't have trick-or-treaters or anything come to your house? No, I'll keep the, I, there are a lot of young kids in our neighborhood or my neighborhood, but I'll probably just keep the lights off. I don't do candy, especially now yeah. with COVID, I would. But even before that, I'm a, I don't know what it would be called for Halloween, but like I'm a Grinch for Christmas. So, <laughs> <laughs> Is there any holiday that gets you excited? I don't know. Like I'm just, like you know, I'm just like obsessed with working and staying busy. So like I, I'm just always obsessed with a project and, and dive down in that. I like holidays because then I can fix equipment without anybody else being around and I'm not disturbing production. So, <laughs> so even around the holidays, I'm usually s still working. Um, but it's more fun because I'm, it's doing stuff that's not the normal. So have you fixed anything this week? Speaking of fixing things, uh, I worked on, so we ran a little bit of production today. Um, and I was on the floor helping with that, but also I was just trying to do some maintenance and get caught up on that. We've been just, crazy busy for a long time it seems like um when it got warm this summer like in june um we just got crazy busy and it's just gotten busier and busier and busier and that's a great problem to have um 
so I'm not complaining. But uh, recently, our our maintenance has kind of fallen behind on some things. Chauncey's been doing a good job at, at trying to keep the important stuff maintenance, but been shorthanded um, and just trying to get so much stuff pushed through for our customers. Um, not or We're doing a fantastic job. It's just there's so much to get done, and, and I don't like telling our customers no because um, they rely on us heavily and they, they want us to do the work. So we've been focusing a lot on production and doing the important maintenance. But today I just got to do some extra maintenance, cleaning up, um, looking over a few things. Um, didn't really find anything wrong, so that's good. Makes me makes me sleep a little bit better at night knowing that uh, we're good to go again for, for a while. But... I feel like is it because uh, customers are roaring back after COVID, or is it because we're a little bit short-staffed? Like, why are we so busy? Well, you know, part of me wants to say that like we're short-staffed, but like if you look at the size of our team, it's as big as it's ever been. So like that's a little unfair mm-hmm. to say. Um, but we're probably understaffed for the workload that we have. Um, we just all of our customers are busy, and uh, I guess it's it's just the ramp up again of I think it's just a lot of backlog from when you know the after effects of 2020 and um, I think some of our big bigger customers corporate customers are still trying to catch back up while keeping up with um, the kind of the pent-up demand that was there also so um, yeah I think that's why why we've been busy and there there was a while there where I was um you know, you're just surviving and every day is frustrating. You feel like you take one step forward and two steps back. Mm-hmm. But um, recently, I feel like I kind of got my second wind to finish out 2021. Um, I don't know. I think it, it's really good resetter when Chloe comes back to Lincoln for like a couple of weeks at a time. And she does that every like six months or so. And for whatever reason, that was enough of a reset button for me. Like, don't you think, like, since then I've been, I feel like I'm a little bit more excited about getting our social media ramping up again. And Yeah, I was getting worried about you this time last month. Probably you just seemed very um, exhausted, which is completely fair, considering the couple of years you've had. Um, but you do seem to have renewed energy. So whatever it was, I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of got a second wind, and it's just perspective, changed perspective, and be grateful yep. for what we got and be happy that we have a good team and we're just going to figure it out and keep moving forward. I'll give a shout out to Gary B. I listened to some of his content. I like him a lot. Um, and that always re-energizes me, but yeah, I'm just, our customers are, uh, we're busy and, and we're keeping up and they've been big pro proponents, I would say. Um, Sometimes customers can be naggy and um, really on your case about not getting stuff done, but I feel like they've been very encouraging, especially just, I don't know what's changed, but just in the last maybe month or so, it's, it's been more encouragement rather than frustration um, on okay. their end. And so that makes you feel good that they believe in you and that they know that you're they're putting you in a corner, but they think that you can uh, accomplish it. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's maybe part of the, the change. Um, but yeah, I think our um, I don't want to jinx it, but like so we have an, uh, a new addition to our team, Tyler. He's been doing really good. He's in the pattern cutting shop. 
Um, it looks like we have a couple promising candidates that might be starting here in the next few weeks, knock on wood. Um, so that in that sense, it's kind of looking up and, and I just quoted a lot of new work this week also. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm just excited to finish out 2021 strong. I feel like when we get closer to the holidays, um, the mood on the floor gets better because they know that we're going to hit, we're going to be firing on all cylinders, hitting hard like we always do. And, but we're going to have some built in nice breaks, um, around the holidays, uh, because we're kind of manufacturing world. So usually around Thanksgiving, Christmas and new years, um, there's some pretty big pauses in, in mm-hmm. everybody's plants. So that means we can go really hard, um, and have our tongues hanging out and know that we're going to get a good rest and then really hard again, a good rest. Whereas once you get away from the holidays and you're talking spring, summer and early fall, that's just like a marathon, you know? So, right. Yeah. That week off between Christmas and new year's is such a perk. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And I'm sure that people come back, you know, rested and ready to work after. Yeah, I think they do. That's great. I think we've been, I don't know, like this, uh, having Teague on today is going to be good with just talking about safety. We, every time that you come back, you go through and do audits, and um, that gets me refocused on safety. And and I, um, I'm i happy with how things have been going with our safety meetings. I think the guys are, they, they've always taken it seriously, but they're like really buying in now. And we'll talk about that a little bit more with Teague. And so that's makes me feel good. Um, and the guys kind of take things into their own hands and, and show me that, that they are really, um, how do I want to say taking it as seriously as I am, I guess. So that, that's, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's great. And we've been doing a lot of, so when we're busy, we do a lot of cross training when people are gone and, and there's just so much to do and everybody's been, um, really open to whatever role we put them in to, learn it and do it and do it well. So yeah, I'm fully into getting my second win. Hopefully we'll, we'll get back on our social media where we just crank out content like crazy. Um, it's been really for our listeners. It's been really difficult for Chloe. She wouldn't admit it, but it's been really difficult for her to, to keep pumping out content on all of our platforms because I'm not giving her anything to write about she's just pulling it all out of thin air she's been doing a fantastic job with it uh, <laughs> so right i mean i mean you can be I just honest i haven't been home in a while that's what that's the problem i need to be back more regularly and i think that that helps that oh helps home meaning lincoln he hadn't been in yeah lincoln meaning lincoln yes. yeah 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 but yeah but I was on- due. honestly i hadn't recorded i just this week i i kind of got excited about it again and recorded quite a few videos for the upcoming months, but it's been several months since I sat down and, and recorded my thoughts. So, um, I don't, I don't know where all the content's been coming that, that Chloe's been putting up for the past few months, but she's been, she's been, uh, I've been making it hard on her, I guess. <laughs> it's good that we've got some exciting stuff going on. Um, and actually this is going to be my social media tip of the day. I changed my mind. Um, tip of the day, go on our Facebook, um, find the link to our car frame promo and share that with your friends. If they're restoring a vehicle, we will do, we will blast and powder coat a C channel car frame for $450. They just have to drop it off before Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, absolutely. We did that last year. It was really successful. Um, and Chloe reminded me of that and asked if I wanted to do it again. And I was thinking to myself, we're so busy, but I was like, yeah, why not? So she got that up and going again. And I think we already have one, one or two people who have called on it and are going to be bringing in frames. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, pretty popular last year. And then we had a number of people ask us after it was over, whether we were going to do it again. So I'm glad we're doing it. Um, Time is running out, though, so move fast. Go find it. It's on our Facebook. We're going to start running ads here next week, so it should pop up in your news feed if you live in or around Lincoln. Yeah, schedule it. I think it will go to a landing page, and you can actually schedule the drop-off if you want. We prefer yep. that. It's helpful for us for planning. Um, and a lot of the stuff that Chloe's been working on recently, I said we're, we, we're hopeful that we have a few new team members kind of coming down the pipe. We've been trying, we've been working really hard on hiring um, the big elephant in the room as far as just for like everybody in small business or any business for that matter. Feel like feels like the whole uh, United States that everybody's short on help for whatever reason. Um, and uh, I think that's part of my second wind and change of mindset is when you feel like you have a ton of work to do and not enough uh, team members to do it, it just gets really frustrating and defeating. And we were, um, we were trying our typical ways that we post jobs and it just wasn't yielding anything. And if you don't like the way the table set, turn the table over. It's one of my favorite sayings. So we kind of adjusted and tried some new things and Chloe's been, um, putting her spin on it and, uh, it seems to be, working good so i think uh instead of taking the normal mindset of like oh gosh it's so far so hard to find help and we're never going to be able to do this my mindset is shifting to well it's difficult for everybody else but we're caser so we're going to find a way and we're going to make it happen yeah absolutely i think we both have kind of a fresh perspective on that and honestly um i've interviewed probably what 20 30 candidates in the yeah. last few weeks a lot. Um, a lot and there's so many qualified wonderful people out there it's you know i think i i forgot that for a while because i wasn't talking to that many and some of them were great and some of them were less great and like consistently it's been really good lately um so if you're hiring if you're in the same position we are hope is not lost they are out there you just have to find them yeah and we've been trying to capture that a little bit on social media most of it's just been job ads but maybe if we feel like we kind of get a good, right now, I feel like there's a good routine going. We, we're, we, I feel like we, in, in the past, we approach hiring the same way as everybody else, like a necessary evil. We're a small business, so we know we don't really have a total, you know, we don't have a hiring manager. We don't have a dedicated person. Like, that's all they do is HR. Um, but Chloe's kind of, like, taken that and just ran with it, and she's really driving the um, phone interviews and stuff like that. And it takes a lot of time. And I think in the mm -hmm. past, I kind of just like put it off and would see resumes, but like if they didn't spark my interest, like uh, I don't have time to, or I don't want to waste my time on this. And Chloe's been taking crazy amounts of time, um, out of her day, getting, still getting all of her other stuff done, but doing a ton of interviews, no matter what time of day she's, early and late and whenever. And I, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I guess it's the same philosophy that we have used on our social media is like, we got to be out there. 
we got to be, you know, constantly, we got to be in the trenches. We got to be posting. We got to constantly be thinking about it. And I feel like we're kind of taking that approach to our hiring now and mm-hmm. uh, just putting our head down and grinding through it. And, and now that we're doing it a lot more, it, it compounds. We've, we've learned a lot, I feel like, because we've been doing it more. So we learned a lot in a lot shorter period of time, basically. Yeah, Absolutely. So we probably, not that we're going to, we're hiring experts by any means, but I'm kind of, I'm high on our own supply right now. And, uh, maybe I'll record some tips for hiring. Um, I won't until I don't want to jinx ourselves. So (laughs) maybe, maybe around the holidays, (laughs) um, uh, we'll, we'll record some if stuff is still going well. I'm gonna knock. We're on manifesting, wood. though, right? Yeah. We knock talked on about wood. this. Yeah, knock on wood. I love it. Okay, so we actually have Teague on the phone, um, and he's gonna. We're gonna bring him here, bring him in here in a minute. Um, like I said, he works at Inspro. He does everything there is to do with safety. I've known him um, really ever since I started working at Kaiser. And uh, know him mostly from safety meetings, but he's also done some walkthroughs and um, always is kind of inspiration to me to to make our safety program better. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Chloe. She knows him a little bit, uh, not not that much, but she's been in a meeting at a, one of his safety meetings before. Um, so take it away, Chloe. Uh, so you have, um, can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your childhood, your hobbies as a kid, and when and why you kind of got into agronomy? Yeah, I've worked for Innsbro, uh for 11 years now. Before that, I worked for a uh, direct writing insurance company that we just didn't have any agencies. We kind of like a state farm, but uh, we did nothing but agriculture. And that's how I... <clears throat> Before I got into the insurance, I was a, an agronomist, and then um, that's how I got into the insurance, where they write a lot of agriculture, and they didn't know what they were writing or, or how to keep people safe in agriculture. So that's how I got into it, and, and then just evolved into uh, <clears throat> being a loss control person for all kinds of different industries. So I know I saw on LinkedIn, um, because I stalked you a little bit, that you have a degree in agronomy from Missouri Western State. Um, For those of us who might not know, what is agronomy exactly and how does it differ from agriculture? So agriculture is the the whole picture, you know, livestock, crops, everything. Where agronomy is the management of soil and crop production. So all the inputs that you need to raise a crop, that's, that's what agronomy is. So that would be like football is the big picture, offense, defense, special teams is subparts of the football <clears throat> pitcher. So agronomy would be like a offense or a defense. It's just a small part of agriculture. We concentrate on, you know, raising, <clears throat> raising crops. So uh, that's how I, my degree was. And then uh, I got a job out of college. Uh, I was, uh, up in Aurora, Nebraska, as an agronomist, and and then that's where I started. Got it. And what led you into there. agronomy in the first place? Um, I grew up on a small farm, and I hated doing chores. You had to do them every morning, every night, feed livestock, and I hated that. 
uh, cold out, rain, no matter what, you had to be out doing chores. And so I wanted to get into the crop production side of things, and get away from the animal, animal production. That's fair. That's fair. So then your first job out of college was in agronomy. And then how did you transition into loss prevention? Are you still involved in agronomy? Do the two overlap in your life? How does that work? Sure. So I, when I got out of college, uh, I started as agronomist in Aurora, did that for seven years. And then the insurance company approached me and said, hey, we have all this agricultural risk and we don't really understand it. And it, I kind of was a, an adjuster and uh, and uh, loss control. So when uh, one of our customers would go out and spray the a field and damage it accidentally, or spray the wrong field, or chemical would drift, um, I'd use my agronomy expertise to, to adjust the crop and figure out what the damages was. And then in the off season, I would go around to the different places and teach them safety and loss control to try to prevent those claims. So. That's how I got into the insurance game, and then that's how agronomy and loss control kind of uh, overlapped. And then once I left that insurance company, came to Enspro, then it then it was all kinds of industries, and and, and then that's where I am today. So it sounds like you really you put your college degree to good use, probably more than most people I know. Um. Well, you know, I go back and talk to uh, people that were in agronomy and they're going, you're in insurance. What the heck does that have to do with? But people don't realize that uh, insurance is all about managing risk and and you have to be an expert in that, that field that you're insuring. So um, that's how, yeah, agronomy and ag, you know, in in our business uh, at Inspro, we we insure a lot of ag, a lot of construction, trucking, and manufacturing. So those are the the main industries that I work. And agriculture is so diverse. There's so many different things. When we say agriculture, you could be equipment dealer. You could uh, raise livestock. You could uh, be a a food processor. So so they overlap quite a bit. And just doing this for you know, over 25 years, you just learn all types of business and, and then how to prevent claims and, and be so safe. So when I think about, like, what you do at Inspro, I know you as just, like, the safety guy. Is that – I assume there's more to your day-to-day than than just going around and doing safety meetings. So what's, what's like, the bigger picture? Yeah, so when, when insurance companies say loss control, they – they either say loss control or uh, <clears throat> risk control or whatever. So you're you're trying to go out to the companies that you insure and help them prevent accidents. So uh, you do that in a number of ways. One is going out and doing safety meetings, which you know me from. I go to a lot of construction sites or manufacturing facilities and, and walk around and look at the risk and, and then see, you know, if there's any thing that's unsafe talk about how to prevent that changes that need to be made um <clears throat> so that, that that's a big part of what i do and then of course i spend a lot of time getting uh our customers out of trouble with osha or dot that's another big part unfortunately so 
how did you get started at Inspiro? How did you make the jump from the agronomy to the other industries that you serve? Um, like a lot of insurance companies, we were a small insurance company and we got bought out um, by a bigger insurance company. And, and I just thought, well, this is a good time to make a change. And uh, Inspiro people met with me and a couple of other uh, uh, employees at this company and 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 I, it just you know they said we want you to do loss control on just not agricultural everything and I just thought that sounded something I wanted to do and, and get away from the claims because the claims you're always the bad guy you know nobody likes you or in loss control and safety you're there to help and I, I enjoy helping people so that, that's how I, I came to Enspro and uh, and that's what I enjoy about Inspro. They they give me free reign to go out and help the customers, and, and and whatever the customer needs, they they let me come up with that and help them out. So I, that's why I enjoy it so much. So when I'm in like safety mode, or after shortly after a meeting with you, um, and I'm thinking about all things safety, like every time I walk through the shop, I'm thinking like, oh, we need to address this, we need to address that. And it's like constantly on my mind, and that's all I can see is is safety stuff. How do you separate that? Because I'm sure it's even more in depth for you. Do you every time that you're out and walking around, like for me, since we blast in powder coat, every time I'm out walking around, I'm looking at railings and benches and seeing like, oh, is that they did a good job, or oh, that's rusting. When you're just out and about, are you constantly does safety stuff pop up? at you and you're thinking oh we they should be paying attention to this yeah my wife and my family always give me a hard time because that's the you know when we're out doing whatever that's the first thing <laughs> i look at is is something unsafe or even watching uh like a reality tv show i'm like all oh, those guys should all have hard hats on <laughs> and safety <laughs> going on so it's hard to turn it off my kids always said that they you know I was so tough on them because I saw the accidents. I was Mr. Safety. So they never got to do anything fun. And I was strict with them on driving yeah. and all that. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to turn it off. Um, Would you say you're a naturally cautious person or is this the result of your education and life experience? Um, no, I'm not. Uh, I always joke that uh, I grew up, you know, on a farm and we did everything unsafe. So that's what makes me a good safety guy because I did everything that you shouldn't have done. It's kind of like the uh, uh, the criminal that helps the, the the police out or whatever. You know, he's done all the bad things, so he he knows how to help help out. So that's kind of yeah. I, I look back at all the crazy and unsafe things we did on the farm, and I'm just like I can't believe we're I'm I'm alive in here. So. Um, yeah, I'm not usually a cautious person. My wife always says I'm the worst offender of all my safety rules. That's great. Yeah. That means you know the most. You've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's just that's the great thing about this job is every day I go somewhere different, a different industry, and I see what people do for a living. And then I, I unfortunately, I see bad things happen. So every day I, I have an accident that happens that comes in our office and I'm just like no way I never would have guessed it would have happened like that so wow. you do kind of see some so for like us um when we were 
like on our blasting and, and powder coating side, um, that really kind of took off when I started full time as far as just like the volume of things that we were doing and the number of employees that we have at our facility. And so um, when I first started, maybe for the first year or two, it was just me and a couple other guys. So at that point in time, like I wasn't um, thinking about safety as much as I should, or maybe I thought like, oh, I don't have time to think about that, or there's not as much, I didn't feel like there was a lot of risk because there's only a couple of us and I felt like we knew what we were doing. And that was probably the wrong approach to think like that. But as we've gotten busier and busier and we have more and more people, I definitely see the, the value and all the importance in being safe and having a really good safety program. How do you, like, obviously you're coming from the standpoint that, um, we gotta be safe in everything we do. And, and that's your main focus. How do you kind of reconcile that with like real, a really small company where maybe they don't have any program and they want to do some, but they feel like, well, we just don't have time to do all this stuff. Like what, how does somebody kind of get started in trying to pay attention to safety and do it the right way? Sure. That, that That's why I get so frustrated with OSHA because everything's by the book and everybody has to do it the same way. And like you said, a company just starting out doesn't have the resources to do everything perfect. So like when I come to a smaller business with, you know, less than 10 employees, I take that into consideration and I I find the the biggest hazards. And I say, let's tackle those one day at a time. You know, we'll make a list. Don't panic. Don't think you got to get it all done tomorrow. Just tackle it as you can and we'll get the big hazards controlled. And then after we're comfortable with that, then we'll start nitpicking and going after the smaller stuff. So that's, that's kind of how I approach it. Um, it can be overwhelming if, if I come into a facility first time and I just, you know, tell them everything that's wrong. It, they just get that deer in the headlight look and then nothing ever happens. So, you know, and I, you know, you still got to make money. Right. I like that. So I, I like that approach. Perfect. That makes, um, like you said, it makes them comfortable and it makes you actually want to work on it and get better instead of feeling like it's extremely overwhelming. What was kind of your take on it, Chloe, when we started? Like, we had something pretty well established, but like when me and you started working together, um, and Teague was kind of a, a little bit of a catalyst in that too. It, it When we were really working on it hard, it was a little overwhelming because we were, we were past like the the super serious stuff we kind of had that taken care of but we were getting in the nitpicky phase but even that i felt like was overwhelming what do you think chloe oh yeah and being new to the finishing industry i was like painfully aware that i didn't know what i didn't know you know so how in the world was i going to be the one to audit what we're supposed to be doing when i don't even know i can't even tell you like what our processes are daily so teague i'm sure that when you're tackling a new industry or you know an area that you're not super familiar with, how do you go about educating yourself um, about that industry and what they need? Of course, you know, with Google, you can go online and research anything. And then, you know, since we're an independent agency, we work with well over a hundred different insurance companies. So I have all kinds of resources that I can pull information from. And then I've been in this business a long time. So I know a lot of people. And if I'm not an, you know, an expert in something I, I pull from that. And then, you know, obviously I look at your website before I go in and see what all you're doing. And then just walking around and, and observing, 
you know, yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of powder coating, but I know what, you know, what, what's safe and what's not safe. So I can just step, step back a little bit and watch and then come up with, you know, we need to do this, this, and this. What I've, well, I think the reason why you guys have been so successful is uh, your management is involved in safety and they're hands on. I go to a lot of companies your size where the owner or the management sits in the office and says, This is my safety guy, he'll handle it, and then they don't care and they never follow up. Uh, when employees see management out there involved, following up and taking it seriously, then they will take it seriously. So, you know, hats off to you guys for, for taking that approach. It, it works. Thank you. That's great. Um, so I imagine that not all of the industries you serve experience the same amount of risk. Uh, is that fair to say? Yep. Um, and so where does the finishing industry rank on the risky scale? So, you know, obviously agriculture and construction are at the top. Uh, so your guys that are actually going out and painting, the, the, that's a higher risk because they're going to be working at heights at a, at a construction site or whatever. Uh, powder coating and finishing like you do, uh, you're dealing with some hazardous material. So you may not be at the top, but you, in OSHA's eyes, you would still be considered a hazardous industry. Um, so, you know, there's some serious accidents that can happen when you're dealing with high heat, abrasive materials. Um, so you, you you really have to take it seriously. It's not like a, an office complex. <laughs> you know, you're, you've got some some serious issues that, and you guys have done a good job of dealing with that. So that that's what? actually an interesting point. So um, when you say, like, it's not an office complex, are there certain situations? situations where like you have to do safety around more of a um i guess i don't know if white collar is the right word but more of like an office setting and less of an industrial setting yeah yeah so no i think white collar and blue and most of the time i'm blue collar type stuff because that's where the most dangerous uh, hazards are but i do go into offices or churches or uh, schools and right now, you know, the last five years, the active shooter thing has been big. So I, I do a lot of active shooter training with uh, offices and, and, and schools and preschools and, and, and stuff like that. So churches. So I do do that. I do go to some medical facilities. Um, we have some experts in, in the insurance industry that I rely on heavily when you start talking about lifting and moving patients and all that kind of stuff. That's that's not my cup of tea. I'm, I'm a blue collar guy, but we do do a little bit of that. But like I said, the, the construction, the ag, the trucking and the manufacturing, that's, that's our main focus. So when and how did you meet the Kazers? Oh, I, you know, time flies. I was sitting there thinking about that. And I bet it's been seven, eight years that, that I've been working with either you or your, your, your dad. So, um, and they, I think your dad reached out to me and wanted to do a safety meeting uh, there when OSHA was hitting everybody hard, hitting the, the painters really hard. And that's, that's how I, I, I met, met him and then I called with you guys. So, um, 
the one thing I, I, I will also say is, you know, you, in that time period, your business is, is growing and you guys have expanded. Usually when I see a company uh, expand that quickly, they lose sight of safety because they've got so many irons in the fire. Uh, and once again, you know, you guys have done an excellent job of keeping that in under control because that's always the, the one when, you know, business is growing. Well, that's that's the one thing that gets pushed to the side and then bad things happen. Right. Uh, when you say bad things happen, uh, what are some of the common safety mistakes you see clients making? Um, or I guess if it's easier to answer, what are some of the red flags that an OSHA inspector would definitely notice on a walkthrough? Um, when I see companies growing fast, and right now there's a lack of, an, of labor out there, uh, we grab anybody we can and throw them in a, situation and we don't properly train them um you know there's you guys know there's a whole list of things that osha requires us to do training on and lots of times we just you know train them on their job and throw them in there and then that's when somebody gets seriously hurt um the the one thing i always see when i go out to a bad accident and that the person will always say well he told me he was just going to run in there real quick and do something you know, jump into that trench real quick or go into that green bin real quick and and then you know you bypass all your safety precautions and then that's when something bad happens how often would you say you are on site um after an accident like does this happen weekly monthly like what's the what's the rate uh, it's usually monthly um, i'm always I, I get you know everybody's got my cell phone you call me 24 7 and something bad happens uh, a lot of our insurers like your size will call me and say hey, you know we just had a fatality what do we do you know because it's something that doesn't thank goodness happen every day so um i'll, I'll you know show up on site and we'll just uh, you know there's some things that we need to do and get prepared and, and <clears throat> things we need to handle and um it's just nice to have somebody that's been through it a bunch of times and, and knows what to, to do and, and what to get prepared. Um, well, I think it was two years ago, the night before Thanksgiving, and I was getting ready to go down to Missouri to visit my family, and one of my uh, insurers called the Diggs uh, Trenches, and they had two employees trapped in a trench in Lincoln. Wow. And so I just I dropped everything and got down there about 8, and luckily, it was about one o'clock, we got them out of the trench uh, alive. They had serious injuries. But, um, unfortunately, I go to a lot of <clears throat> uh, accidents where the person doesn't survive. And then you guys, as the management, have to call their family and, and say, hey, that person's never coming home again. So, wow. you know, that's why I show the graphic and tell the graphic story to take me. You know, I want people to realize what can happen if we take shortcuts to safety. Yeah, it's high stakes. It's like you're running a scared straight program for companies. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little, I get a, a little bit of a hard time about some of my, my pictures and videos, but I just want people to realize that, you know, your life is on the line and you have to do things correctly in a lot of these situations. So what would you say, um, 
broadly, I guess, sets a good safety program apart from a bad one? Well, I, I said this earlier, it's when the management team uh, <clears throat> is involved. That That's the big thing. Uh, when the management team's involved, and that includes you guys plus your supervisors or your foreman, and, and they all take a stake in it, then the employees will follow along. You know, if the management doesn't <coughs> wear safety glasses or whatever when they're in the facility or they break the safety rules, then the, the employees are going to, you know, follow the leader. So it's just really important for management to, to get involved. You can have the best safety manual or program in the world, but if management's not involved and doesn't enforce it, it, it does no good. What do, you, what do you feel like is the best way um, to enforce, like, common safety policies, I guess? So we, we've been working really hard probably in the last year or so to really get everything straightened out and just all the little nitpicky stuff, make sure we're doing all that right. And all the guys know, like, on the floors what, what PPE we're supposed to wear and everything. Um, but inevitably, inevitably people forget or they do get in a hurry. And uh, we've been... You know, we have our weekly safety meetings, and we've been trying, like, every week, we just harp on the PPE. And, and less of, like, um, calling people out and yelling, but more just a reminder and saying, guys, we know, like, you might forget, um, so work as a team. And if somebody notices somebody not doing something safe, then say something. Don't get mad at each other. You just work together. Um, what do you feel like is the best um, way to to keep a whole team of, of multiple people for us. I feel like it's really difficult for us, even though we have like around 10, 15 people at any given time. Um, but I can't even imagine if we had a shop floor full of like 75 people trying to keep them all, you know, it, more of a, a reminder type situation instead of like a write up and punishment and miss work. Cause I feel like, then that leaves a bad taste in their mouth around safety and they st still don't really want to buy into it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So it's, it's a constant battle. And I, I think what you said in the beginning about you guys do a, a weekly safety meeting. So you're constantly reminding your employees, you're constantly in front of them talking about safety. But like you said, it just can't be strictly disciplined. You have to, you know, discipline when there's a major safety violation, but then there also has to be reward. And, you know, OSHA's a little, you know, they're afraid if you start giving incentives and people won't report claims. Well, um, you, you can make one of the disciplinary actions is if you don't report a claim to, then it's going to be a serious uh, disciplinary problem. But so you reward for, you know, every quarter or every annually, you know, we went without any accidents and so we're going to have a, a cookout or whatever. I have this big company that if we make it with no accidents, we cook steak. If we have one accident, it drops the chicken. If we have two or three, it drops the burgers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, That's a good idea. I like that. And, and they have a wheel that they spin, you know, if somebody got to, uh, recognized for doing something above and beyond safety wise they get to spin the wheel for prizes and so you got to make it fun but on the flip side if somebody breaks a, a serious safety 
rule they need to be disciplined and, and talked to about because not only could they get seriously injured or killed, somebody else could too. So it's got to be both. I like I like <clears throat> the the reward or or noticing people for doing it uh, the right way. That's something that we could add to our program. We don't do a lot of that. We try to discipline if it's a really serious offense, um, and maybe just a, a quick pat on the bat back if they're doing it correctly but yeah i think that um making it a little bit more rewarding that's something we could work on i think chloe i think you'd like i have some of my big construction companies that are you know that have constant problems with safety violations so they they started making the person that broke the safety rule and their supervisor come in front of the safety committee and explain how the accident happened and how they can what they can do to fix it. And, you know, there's nothing worse than standing in front of your peers and telling them how stupid you are. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that has helped turn some bigger companies around. But once again, it just can't be strictly disciplined. You gotta have some fun. Yeah. There's a certain degree of accountability because your actions impact your whole team. Um, and so I like, yep. I like the thought of, I mean, obviously, I don't like the thought of like standing up and having to explain that I did something stupid in front of my coworkers, but it, it definitely reinforces this idea that my actions have consequences that affect more than just me. Um, and then, Jace, I was going to ask, what kinds of things do you notice when you're walking around the shop um, that employees don't pay attention to or that they repeatedly do wrong um, that we could be working on? I think for a while, I, th I think we've been doing really, really good lately. Um, and I just told the guys that just this last Wednesday at our meeting, but when we um, started to be more sticklers on the PPE and like make sure everybody's wearing it all the time um, and not just when they want to, or we were, I think what we were trying to accomplish is the, like what Teague was saying earlier, like they were just, uh, I was just going to do something real quick. And then that's when the accident happens. And we were having a lot of the excuse for not wearing PPE. It was like, well, I was just, it was only going to take a second. And so we were trying really hard to remind everybody, like, let's just, let's make it the habit of, like, let's put safety first. Let's take the extra five seconds to, like, put on safety glasses or put them back on after you've come off of break. Um, or maybe we don't have to wear earplugs all the time on our shop floor, but certain times we need to because the, decibels get too high so it's like just take the pause and remember to do that so i think the biggest for us when we started to really try to make sure that everybody was remembering all the time that was the thing that i was noticing a lot i i feel like for a long time every, all of our team has done a good job of avoiding like the really big catastrophic mistakes it's pretty rare that i walk around and see something like just grossly unsafe happening um which is really really good that that we've kind of got all that figured out and and the guys will um even if they're in a hurry they'll take the time to get areas set up we do a lot of things with forklifts and with powder coating we're hanging everything so um, we could be hanging really light parts um, by hand we could be hanging heavy parts by hand we could be using a forklift and chains and so um, everybody does a good job on that. We try to do a lot of training around that. So I usually don't see a lot of issues with that stuff. It's more of the, it's more of the nitpicky 
And so that it's harder, I think, to get the guys to buy into the nitpicky stuff. But it's like, if you can get them to buy in and they really start paying attention to the little tiny things, then it's like they're almost always safe. Um, when they don't want to pay attention to the tiny things, then I feel like it kind of, kind of like it's a domino effect, and so then some of the bigger things start getting forgotten about. Right. And probably a big part of that is just modeling, like Teague was saying, you know, you're never in the shop without your safety glasses on. So you're able to hold them to that standard. Right. Right. And definitely like if I'm when I realized that, like, we definitely were making gains is if I would go. So I'm in and out of my office quite a bit during the day. I'm always moving. And sometimes I would walk out of my office without my safety glasses on without even thinking even though I'm most of the time wearing them, sometimes I'll just get out to the floor and they won't be on. And when the guys on the floor started noticing that and like saying to me like, Hey, where's your safety glasses? Or if I jumped in to like help sand something really quick, we wear ear protection when we're using power sanders. And if I was just quickly helping, like um, what they would give me an excuse of like, Oh, I was just doing it real quick. That's what I was doing. And if I Mm -hmm. would forget to have my earplugs in, somebody would say something. So we're to the point where everybody's paying attention and they like, it's almost like, um, if I, I I don't really do it on purpose to go out to the floor and not wear my PPE, but everybody pays way closer attention to what I'm doing for whatever reason, if I'm on the floor. So it's like when I don't have a, a thing of PPE on, or I'm doing something unsafe, um, they want to. They want to call me out on that. Not, not uh, more of in a fun, playful way because we have we have really good camaraderie. But it's like that helps build um, their um, thinking about safety that much more. Like when Teak has said a couple times today, like the management really needs to get involved, and I agree with that because it's like the the guys want to pay closer attention to it when I'm working around them and if I'm not being safe, they're definitely going to tell me, right? Because they, that's something that they can harp on me about. And like, I can't say anything because I have to be safe. So they like to, uh, to be able to hold me accountable, I guess is the best way to say it. Oh, that, that is excellent. That when, when you get to that level, then you know, you're doing things right. And and it, it just, it just, it compounds and, and people are taking it seriously and uh, holding each other accountable. And then, and then that's where you want to be. So. Yeah. And that's been recently, probably in the last six months. And it's, it's been great. Like I've been happy and that that's happened. And Chloe's been a big part of that. Um, Cause it's like, it didn't happen until we got really, it was, it's just the nitpicky stuff. And it's it's great that it's turned out that way. Chloe, you you do a lot of walkthroughs, um, usually two or three times a year when you're back. And I you mentioned earlier that, um, and you were kind of asking Teague like, how does he uh, if he's going into somewhere where he's unfamiliar, you know, how does he evaluate the risk and and figure out what's safe and what's not? I think it's like a huge benefit for us at Kaiser that. Um, like Chloe learns more and more about her processes all the time. She's been with us for a year and a half full time now. So to, to now she's pretty much knows everything, how we do it. But at the beginning, she hardly knew anything about our day-to-day processes. Um, cause she wasn't around our industry much and she also works remotely, 
but I thought it was fantastic when she did walkthroughs. Um, even if you, because like you were questioning everything, Chloe, and that was like, that really helped like us take a big step forward in the tiny stuff for safety because you notice stuff that I will like overlook because I see it every day where you you're like questioning every single thing and it like gave us a real really like um, a magnifying glass look at everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, T, you must see a lot of that um, as you're doing walkthroughs places where bad habits are kind of just in the muscle memory because that's how they've always been done and people don't even really notice that it's a risk because it's just how it's always been done. I mean, can you speak a little bit to that and how you break those habits? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always good to have a fresh set of eyes come in. And, and so like where you came in and you were a fresh set of eyes and everybody got complacent doing it one way. So, you know, even, you know, where you guys have gotten to the point that you're at, it's still good to have, you know, someone like myself come in and, and, and see it from a different perspective. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for things that I know that are going to be OSHA violations or, or people are going to get hurt. So it, it's still good to have somebody come in a couple of times a year just to walk through your facility. And, and cause people do get complacent. I get complacent with what I do mm -hmm. and I got a, guys that work with me and they, they're always pushing me and, that, and that's, you know, and that's good. And that just makes everybody that much better. Are there any common safety myths or misconceptions or maybe even misinformation that you wish would just go away? Um, yeah, I, you know, I thought about that and I really um, can't think of anything other than what I said earlier, uh, famous last words, I'm just going to run in and do that real quick. And then that's always happened, but um I always get stuff. I heard OSHA does this or does that. And, you know, <laughs> it's always something corny or goofy, and but that I, I get a question on about OSHA. But um, <clears throat> usually I always tell people if it seems like a dumb idea, it probably is. You know, and you just use common sense. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I will say that <clears throat> as you get bigger and you keep growing, it, it'll help is when you do employee annual reviews, you know, you include safety as part of that review. Yeah, you were a really productive employee and you did a lot of good things, but you broke these many safety rules or whatever. So we're not going to give you the big raise that you thought you were going to get. So That's when people are really held accountable too, that, that changes, changes their whole mindset. Right. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I've often wondered if a company were to get slapped with a huge OSHA fine, um, what percentage of the time do they take out of the employee's paycheck to pay that back? Um, well, technically, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to do that. But let's say uh, you guys get bonuses at the end of the year and you get hit with a hundred thousand dollar fine. It's you know, there's good chance there isn't going to be any bonuses, right? Mm -hmm. So. That's why I, you know, when I do safety means I talk about it. Anytime there's an accident, it affects everybody in the room, you know, because of the, the cost. Yeah, insurance is going to pay for that work comp claim, but now you've got an employee down. Everybody else has to pick up that slack. And then how much time did you take dealing with the accident? You know, all those other 
<clears throat> things that you just don't take into account that can really start to add it up. So. Probably varies across the board, but like, what is a what's a common like if OSHA comes into just a regular shop or construction site? Typically, like, what's the magnitude of fine? Is it thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands? I would say most of them are between ten and twenty thousand, and and then we can always get that reduced down below 10 even 5,000 so um, they they do take into account your size number of employees your you know your annual sales and stuff like that so Kaiser is not going to get the same fine that DuPont would get or whatever you know okay. so they, they they take that all in, into account but and to get that um, reduced but, you just have to show a plan of how you're going to improve yeah, usually they have a thing called an informal hearing, and we just sit across the table with OSHA, and we either agree with their citations or disagree and, you know, tell them why we disagree. That usually doesn't work because usually they've taken pictures of what we've done wrong. So it's been a better strategy to go in there and say, yes, we did make a mistake here. This is what we put in place. Here's our proof that you know i usually have pictures or documentation to show that we we changed this procedure and this is how we're doing it now and and they're very willing to reduce those fines then so on a regular instance um and i think i've asked you this before but like when does osha show up places do they do they show up randomly like for uh let's say for a small business that's listening to this and they're like, man, we really want to start working on safety. And they're a five to 10 person team. And are they, should they be worried that like randomly OSHA is just going to show up at their shop or, or how, why would OSHA come to a really small company? Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's several different reasons. And first OSHA categorizes industries into high hazard, low hazard. So if you're in the construction industry, the agricultural industry, you're now in the high hazard. Then they look at the number of employees you have. So if you have 10 or less, you're less likely to get a, a random inspection. Um, before COVID, any high, hand, high hazard industry, they would uh, draw your name or number, out of, you know, just random and go out and visit so many construction sites or so many grain elevators or whatever and then that's how they would come randomly and when they come randomly they can look at anything they want the other way is if you have a bad accident so if you have a loss of an eye uh, an amputation loss of life or an employee has to spend the night in the hospital you must call OSHA within 12 hours and let them know that and then they will decide whether they're going to come out and investigate pre Pre-COVID, they always came out. Uh, during COVID, they they hardly ever came out. And then the last one is somebody reports you, and this has become really big. Um, and it just it's a shame uh, that it's come to this. But competitors, I have competitors turning each other in. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, especially on the construction side, and and then a disgruntled employee. So you fire somebody for good reason and they're just like well i'm going to get even with them i'm going to call osha right and osha 
usually can tell by the phone conversation what's going on there, but they still have to investigate any complaints. So, so those are those why they they come out or. If they're driving down the street and they see a violation, they have to, by law, stop and, and investigate it. So, Interesting. That's I've, good to know for us because we do a lot of um, stuff. So we could be exterior painting on a construction site, but also just at our facility, a lot of the big parts yep. and pieces that just when you see the big part, you're like, wow, that's probably going to, something's going to be unsafe when we work on that. And we have to do a lot of work and rigging outside with that. So definitely could be a something where someone would want to stop. So if they stop in, let's say they stop in randomly, it was the drawing out of a hat and like they just show up. Do they like try to come in the back door and sneak around or how does that work? So they, they normally come through the front door and they will present themselves and show their badge and they will have paperwork to, to, to tell you why they're there and what they want to see. Um, if they're driving down the street and they see, you know, let's say somebody uh, up, up on the roof without any fall protection, now they have the right, it's just like probable cause, and they call it. They get the right to come right in there and start investigating. So we would rather them have to come through the front door, and that's why I always say, post signs in your driveway, you know, all visitors must report to the office first. That way they just can't start walking around. And then, you know, once they identify themselves and the, you ask them why they're there and what they want to see, and we try to narrow that scope down as much as we can. So if, if they're there to see an accident that happened in one of your buildings, then I shut all the doors in the other building and I don't let them go in it. And I have that right. Um, if they're there for a general inspection and then, then they tell us what buildings they want to see and, and then I have to let them see it. But, um, <clears throat> and then I set them in a room and say, hey, give me 10, 15 minutes to get my safety person together, get management together, get all our safety material together. And I always set them in a room with no window. <laughs> and I, I send somebody out to say, hey, OSHA's here. Um, Let's go on cleanup mode. Let's not be doing anything that's high hazard and, and stuff like because that. Because they're uh, the ideal for OSHA if they come in to an inspect is if, um, let's say you're, how do I want to put this? You feel like you have a good safety program. You're, they show up randomly and, and you feel like, well, this is unfortunate, but we feel like we're prepared. And, you go on like the really generous and like, yeah, you can look at everything and we'll take you around everywhere. They're like licking their chops when, when you do oh, that, yeah. because the, they, no matter what, they're going to find something. So you don't want to be, yeah. you don't want to be um, like off putting the way I gather, but you don't want to be overly nice either and, right. and give up information that you don't need to. Is that right? Right. Yeah. I want, I want, uh... I always say we never lie to OSHA. We always answer their questions truthfully. And if they, you know, have the right to look at something, we give them that right. But um, <clears throat> if they don't ask us to look at a particular area or building, then there's no need to take them through that. Okay. Um, I'll kind of joke and say your your safety plan is only as good as your employees. So uh, I don't want to pick on employees, but they hear OSHA and they panic. And they may say something that they shouldn't say, 
or do something that they shouldn't do. You know, human nature feeling get scared and and that's why we try to be doing as less as possible. We we don't send everybody home because then OSHA is like, "Oh, I'll come back tomorrow until you have everybody here." But you know, I'm not driving forklifts. I'm not sandblasting. I'm not powder coating. Everybody's just kind of cleaning stuff up and you know doing very simple tasks. So the name uh, of the game is basically just to answer the question you've been asked and nothing more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hate, I hate to say it, it's just like talk to the cops, you know. Right. They don't ask how many drinks you had. You don't, you don't tell them, right? Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a similar thing. Okay. I always make the joke, I'm walking around, I find a bad cord. And if OSHA, you know, finds that bad cord, I would just roll it up and throw it in the trash and, and not say a word. And hopefully they take that citation off. But if you hold that cord up and go... Oh yeah, we've been meaning to fix that for a year now. Uh huh. You just incriminate. So. Okay, so they have to tell you when they walk in what their purpose is and what they want to see. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Um, is there any? And there, Sorry, uh, go ahead. Real, real quick, they're they're human just like us. They're they're there to do a job, and and you know, the nicer you are to somebody that the easier they are on you. You know, it's the old adage, you get more with honey than you do vinegar. So I always, you know, very polite, treat them with respect, <clears throat> not mean or snide with them. And, you know, mm-hmm. just, just treat them like you would treat anybody else, but you just got to remember they're, they're there to, to, to write fine. So you got to be on your guard. So for in your role at Inspro and all the different companies you deal with, um, if OSHA shows up randomly or there is an accident and, and you know that they're going to be coming, um, do you prefer like us, Kaiser and other clients to just call you and say, Hey, OSHA's here or we think OSHA's yeah. going to be coming. And so that way yep. that you can be on site. Do that. all. If I'm in the area, I will come immediately. I have two other guys that help me. So if I can't make it, one of them will try to get there. I'll give you an example. We had an unfortunate uh, incident we had a, a fatality at a potato processing facility out in North Platte here a few years back and and they called me and they told me it happened and out in the yard uh, a guy got caught in the auger wagon type thing and uh, so I jumped in my car and got out there before OSHA did and OSHA shows up and it's like well I want to see inside the plant and I want to see this and I want to see that and I'm I said, sorry, sir, you're only allowed to see the accident scene. You're not allowed to go into our plant. And he called his boss, and they talked. And he goes, yep, you're right. So <laughs> it's good to have somebody that knows the rules of what I'm getting at mm-hmm. that can help help you. And I've, I've been on the phone uh, while you're walking through the OSHA, you know, and you're telling me what's going on if I can't be there, and giving tips and, and stuff like that. And you can always say get a warrant. Um, I don't rarely recommend that, but if you've got a complete disaster on your hands and you know that there's tons of citations, I'm going to go tell OSHA to get a warrant. Um, I've done that before. I, I actually had a construction site that was a disaster, and I said, tell them to get a warrant. <clears throat> By the time they got their warrant, we had it was a, a rough-in crew. They had finished on that site and moved to another site, and the warrant was for that site. So. <laughs> That was the end of the discussion. So, so. 
I guess I'm not following you on that. That so basically you're refusing them to inspect until they have a actual legal warrant. Yeah, yeah, they have to go get a warrant from a judge and then they come in. Sometimes they they do, sometimes they don't. Just depends on how. So why they why doesn't them. everybody just always make them get a warrant then? Um, so like in your case, I know your facility; it's, it's in very good shape. You're better off to just have them walk through it and, and take your lumps because I just I don't think there's going to be anything that I serious. See. Yeah, because when they come back with a warrant, now they're going to go through it with a fine. Because you because you. For lack of a better term, pissed them off when you told them that they had to go get yeah. a warrant. So, okay. yeah, that makes sense. Um, this is a ton of good advice. Is there any other advice that you would give to someone either starting out or growing a powder coating business? Um, you know, like I said earlier, management is involved in safety. That that is huge. Uh, making employees accountable through the the uh, review process making safety part of that um, and then educating your employees uh, making sure that they are trained before you turn them loose on a job uh, not only how to do that job but also how to do it safely that's where i see a lot of accidents new employees aren't trained properly and then they get seriously hurt so you know take the time and then educate them if OSHA does show up, um, people, you know, once again panic and they'll they'll say, where are the SDS sheets? And an employee knows where the SDS sheets, but they panic and they go, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, now they just created a fine for the company because they panic. So you need to talk with your employees and make sure they're comfortable. Uh, if they're hourly, they don't have to talk to OSHA if they don't want to. They can refuse to talk to OSHA. Uh, if management supervisors have to talk to OSHA. So it's just making sure that I don't know is not a good answer. If they don't know the answer, they can simply say, well, it's in our safety manual and I always come and look and it tells me what to do. Or I go to my supervisor if I'm not sure and he explains it to me. Okay. Just simple stuff like that. How would you recommend an hourly employee refuse? Like, what would you say if you were them in that position? I, I would just say uh, I'm an hourly employee and, and I don't have to talk to OSHA and it makes me very uncomfortable and self want to. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good resource for people who might have um, anxiety when they're put on the spot. You know, when there's an accident, they'll interview everybody that was there, and they'll take a employee in the room and interview them. And they have a right to ask for a manager to be present during that interview or me be present, um, or they can do it in private. It's up to them, but they have that right. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Chase, yeah. any? And if they're you. If they're union, then they have a right to have a union rep with them. Okay. So, yeah. You've been in safety mode the last few weeks. Is there anything burning in your mind that we haven't discussed at this point? No, I don't think so. I I, I agree. Just on the last thing that uh, Teak said, we in my mind, I'm all, the reason why. Um. Like, I want to be safe because I want everybody to go home safely, right? Um, and that's a big thing that Teague always 
makes a, a really strong point on that at his meetings. But like then the other part is because of OSHA, um, even though as much as we uh, maybe fear them or dislike them, like they're around for a reason and it makes us be safe at the end of the day. And uh, I, I try to think a lot about like how to prepare our team for if OSHA were to come because I agree with what Teague said that they probably they do know where the stuff's at. I know they know because we talk about it all the time. But a lot of the times when anybody gets put on the spot, even myself, you just blank. And that's like the one situation where you don't want to blank is in front of OSHA when they're asking you a simple safety question and then you just answer totally the wrong way. So that's something we've worked on. Um, we probably need to work on that more and, and bring that in on a regular basis because it I think that just comes down to like the confidence that the guys have in are they doing it safely. So like from my perspective, uh, they're doing a great job with safety. Uh, we make a gain on it every week probably, even if it's a little tiny step forward. Um, so it's my job, and I probably need to do a better job to remind them that uh, – Hey, you guys are improving. You do know what you're doing. You are doing it the right way. We are doing it safe. Because um, if, if we are doing that, but they're unsure, I think in those uh, stressful situations, they might feel like the answer that they have in their head is wrong. Because maybe, mm-hmm. they, maybe they feel like, like, I don't know if we're actually doing, I know this is how we do it here, and that's how what well, we always say at our meetings, but is that actually right? You know, so I, I think that... Um, I probably need to do a better job at, at reminding everybody like we we cover safety so much and we train on it and we harp on it because like that it is the right way to do it. And if if we just present exactly how we actually do what we do, it'll be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I think people will, can get worried that like we can't actually say what we're doing because we're going to get in trouble for it. But I think when you're doing it the right way, then it then it works out. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, one more thing I'd like to add is insurance, probably one of your biggest costs, how to have it to operate. So the name of the game is to keep that premium as low as possible. So I always put it, when I explain it in simple terms, you got two hamburger chains, um, make the same thing, competitors. One has an excellent safety record, so they're only paying $25,000 a year in insurance. The other one has a terrible safety record. They're paying 50000 paying double. And that, that can happen real easily. So the one that's paying 25000 can charge $5 a burger. The one that's doing 50000 may have to charge ten. So they're already behind the eight ball against the competitor just because they're an unsafe customer or company. And then you throw in employees. Well, I want to work for this company, man. Their facilities are nice, clean, they're safe. They give good bonuses. I don't want to work for that other crummy company, you know. So it just compounds. And a lot of people don't look at that cost, but that's a huge difference. So hats off to you guys. You guys are a safe company. You're paying a a lot lower rate than uh, somebody else that's not as safe. So it, it, it it just pays dividends great advice all right well we really appreciated having you on uh i don't really have anything else do you do you have any more questions chloe no i think we covered my list we really appreciate your time teague thank you so much you bet yeah no i enjoyed 
enjoy working with you guys and I and I always enjoy talking safety. So <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, it was good. Appreciate we it. talked for that's been over an hour now. Um I think this has been one of my favorite podcasts so far. It should be real informative for everybody. So um we appreciate it. I'm sure we'll see you soon at uh yep. at a safety meeting coming up. I don't know if we have one planned yet, but if we don't we usually have it a couple times a year. So we look forward to that. All right, great. Thank you Thanks. guys. So we had a question from social media this week. Uh we made a we're hiring post on Instagram and someone commented um, and asked whether Kaiser employees were allowed to use the blast booth after hours for their personal projects. Um, and I think I know what you're going to say to that, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to respond and also maybe to address um, questions that we get from customers from time to time about whether they'd be allowed to come into our facilities and do their own blasting. Okay. So um, that's actually an interesting question. And knowing that that was commented on a hiring post, right? That's someone to see like, Hey, what are the unthought about perks of working at Kaiser? So I like this. Um, this is good. And it gets me thinking about stuff outside of normal benefits. What is extra stuff that only Kaiser can provide, right? Cause that could be a huge benefit. Um, mm -hmm. typically, I guess the blank answer would be no. We don't let them utilize the blast booth or the powder coating booth after hours for personal projects. Um, but that's a really big blanket answer with a huge asterisk by the no. Um, if they're a long-term employee and they've been with us for a while um, and they come to me and say, hey, I have this personal thing that I want to do, typically I don't have them do it after hours because I don't want that to like be a burden on their day. Usually I'll say, I want to make a work order. We'll get it in the production schedule and uh, I'll make sure that you can work on it yourself during normal working hours. And so that way, um, if you're working on it yourself, then nobody else is working on it. And then technically I don't feel like that you need to pay for that, right? Because they're just kind of using it on their own time, but it's kind of during the normal day, during normal production. Um, that way they don't have to do it outside of the flow because when especially in powder coating it just makes more sense to like if it's just a few pieces to hang it on another cart with a similar color you know and and just let it flow through instead of like at the end of the day having to pack other product hang their own thing up run it through the whole gamut and then take it back down so it doesn't mess up uh the flow for the next day that's just like asking way too much and like power them i'd be like screw it i'll just pay you to do it if you're gonna make me go through all that hassle so so i guess it's no we don't really let them use it after hours for personal projects or like side jobs to where they're like doing it for somebody else type of thing but um uh i would say that we do work with you and definitely our our priority if you want to have a few things done we'll make it work for you and uh and uh try to so you're not paying top premium dollar uh other part of the question about customers come in and utilize for our facilities kind of like renting our facilities out we definitely do not um let customers do that that's just opens up a whole thing for liability and then like this theme of this podcast is safety there's just no way that our customers would know how to be safe enough to be able to do that someone would end up being hurt 
they would ruin their own product on accident. They would could accidentally damage our equipment. Um, it just doesn't make sense. So I, I we're we're the experts. Um, just bring your parts to us and pay us to do it. Um, there's really no reason for our customers to if they want to do it themselves. Then my thought is like, well, then just do it yourselves. You don't need to utilize our facilities to do it yourself. So. How often would you say you get that question from customers? I feel like in my time working here, I've probably heard it once or twice. So yeah, I would um, every, hear it a lot every couple months. Yeah. And it probably mostly is blasting. Um, nobody, I don't think I've ever had someone ask, can I come in and use your powder coating equipment? Um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, blasting, everybody looks at it like I've done that. I know how to do that. I can do it out in a field. I got my own blast cabinet from the hardware store. You know, and so, and my tiny little air compressor and sand I pulled out of my kid's sandbox <laughs> for my media or whatever. Right. And uh, so I think everybody just takes the approach that they can, they can blast no problem. And then when they have a really large scale, they want to do their car, they don't have the equipment to do that. So then they just want to like kind of rent the equipment basically, which I think there are places out there will, that will let you rent blasting equipment. Um, but like I said, it's just not something that, that we do mostly because of safety issues. I think I'm, I'm just so worried that they would accidentally hurt themselves. Right. Which is fitting with everything we talked about today. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of sums it up. I think this was a great way to get back in the routine of podcasts. I, I do, we do have quite a few guests that we have like tentatively scheduled that are coming up. Um, I think the Kaiser cast is going to turn into more of like a, a late fall, winter, early spring project because people are just less busy during that time. Mm -hmm. So they're more willing to sit down and talk for an hour or two. So um, look forward to more Kaiser cast coming up. And uh, I'm excited for it. I think Chloe is also. She's been doing a lot of. So while I've been super, super busy just trying to survive the production schedules. Um, Chloe's been taking care of everything social media, and she's kind of been kind of the catalyst to get KaiserCast and these podcasts back up and going. So I don't say it enough, but thank you. You're doing a great job. And uh, looking forward to the next episode. Thanks. I'm excited. It's going to be good. Is everything working good for you? You need anything? Anything broke? Anything leaking? Just make sure we stay on track with the yellows and everything will be fine. Little things lead to big things. When you stay late tonight, we need to get this job finished up. Overall, I think everybody's doing a great job. Keep up the good work getting hot out so make sure you're drinking plenty of water i know this job's been difficult and everybody's getting frustrated but if we can't do it nobody else can that's the reason why the job's here because nobody else could get it figured out just keep working at it don't get frustrated we'll keep collecting data taking good notes and we'll get it figured out does anybody else have anything